Hello Makers and Mystics friends. I'm going to share a bonus episode with you today that I recorded earlier this year with British portrait artist and women's justice advocate, Hannah Rose Thomas. Hannah Rose Thomas has pioneered an incredible means of combining humanitarian work with portrait paintings of refugee women she's encountered. Through her art, Hannah gives voice to the voiceless, lionizes the isolated, and prescribes dignity to the persecuted and forcibly displaced. In this episode, Hannah and I discuss her process of portrait painting, her advocacy, as well as the impact her paintings have upon Western viewers and the women who have undergone intense trauma. I want to encourage you to visit hannahrosethomas.com to learn more about her work and visit patreon.com slash makersandmystics for an additional interview segment with Hannah on the importance of self-compassion, gentleness, and vulnerability. Well, Hannah, thank you so much for joining me on the Makers and Mystics podcast today. It's such an honor to finally have you on the show. It was an honor to be here with you today. Well, you are one of the first portrait artists that I've had on the show. And so mm-hmm. I'm really thrilled to talk to you about your creative process, some of the motivations behind your work, and specifically the work that you've done with painting the portraits of refugee women from different parts of the world, Syrian refugees, Yazidi women, and women from displaced environments. Tell me how you got into this. Tell me what first motivated you to begin painting portraits of refugees, and how did you find this path for your art? It's, um, well, I guess I've always loved to paint ever since I was very little, and but doing humanitarian work was always something that was very much on my heart to do. I never really imagined I'd be an artist in the future. Um, and actually my first, but, I'd, but I've just always painted and loved painting. Um, in particular, I loved the Impressionists as a teenager and spent hours in the National Gallery looking at the brushstrokes and of Van Gogh and artists like Monet. Um, but I didn't I only really started portraiture painting. It was actually when I returned from Mozambique on my gap year. I spent some time at Heidi Roten and Roland Baker's work out there. And I was just uh, really touched by the beauty of the faces of some of the particularly older women I met out there in the bush in the middle of nowhere. Um, so radiant with joy, even in the midst of such poverty. And yeah, so when I returned, I guess, I just began painting a portrait of one of these women. It was quite a large canvas, larger than I'd ever painted before. Lots of tiny pointless brushstrokes and colour, but I just wanted, was just wanted to capture the vibrancy and the beauty of the people I'd met. And then working with refugees, that really emerged when I was living in Jordan as an Arabic student. I didn't actually study art as an undergraduate. I studied Arabic and history. I spent a year living in Jordan and the UN Refugee Agency asked whether I'd uh, organise art projects as Syrian refugees. So I was sent on my own to these remote locations to turn um, refugee tents into works of art with groups of Syrian refugee children. So having the language and also the shared language of Arabic, but also of art was something that builds bridges. And it was so powerful to have that experience. Also quite chaotic at times, but a lot of fun. <laughs> and when I returned, I, that was when I began painting some of the portraits of the women and the children I met and worked with. I think it was, it was the first experience I had of the refugee crisis. And I was quite overwhelmed at the numbers about 
5,000 people were pouring across the border from Syria at the time into Jordan. And the trauma of the children was just heartbreaking to see. Just couldn't even begin to imagine what they'd seen in the war in Syria. So I think it was, I began painting the portraits both to show the human stories behind these refugee crises, the overwhelming statistics that we can't really comprehend, but also as a way to process some of what I'd seen and experienced as well that had been utterly overwhelming. What did you find was the impact that seeing their portraits had on these women? Like, what did this do in their hearts when they saw themselves painted? I, many of them initially, I, I always wished there was a way I could contact them and and get and and share the images with them afterwards after they'd given agreed for their portrait to be painted and could have known where the places they were shown. But then later on, when I was working with groups of Yazidi women and teaching them to paint, for example, also Nigerian women, survivors of Boko Haram, where I taught the women how to paint their self-portraits as a way to share their stories, and then also painted their portraits as well along. And they even asked whether I'd paint their portraits. And so they were shown side by side, their self-portraits, my portraits in places like Parliament and Lambeth Palace and Buckingham Palace, um, to, to, enable, to enable their voices to be heard in these places. But yeah, their responses to how they were portrayed um, was really moving. Also, and also to be able to share that with them, that they knew that I hadn't just come and then gone away, but had tried to like done all that I could to advocate on their behalf through through the art to enable elevate their voices in these places to shine a light on what women like them have endured who survived conflict and displacement and the ongoing um, trauma that they're going through and facing as well. So just an absolute honour to have that opportunity um, to work with the women and to maintain that relationship as well. I think that is something that's very at much at the heart of my work going forward. And the ethics of that is given the nature of the vulnerability of the communities I work with. It's so important, I think, to think through these ethical um, issues. Yeah. I can imagine that for the women that have gone through some of those unimaginable circumstances, there would be a loss of self-worth or maybe even a loss of identity on their part. Uh, certainly, as you know, this season, we're talking about mental health, emotional health, and spiritual health as it relates to the artist and the creative experience. I would imagine such a sense of loss and trauma, seeing themselves in your paintings portrayed with dignity, portrayed with beauty, I can imagine the impact that that had on them. I I think I I can't I can't fully know. I wish I could see them and have yeah. shown them the work in person, but it mm. was only through second second party through the charities that, yeah. the, in, that their portraits had got back to the women. But I yeah. I, I very much hope hope so. But I also think the process of spending two weeks together, painting together, building relationship, the chance to share their stories, to be heard to be valued, to be seen um, in that way. I think that was also deeply healing as well for the particularly considering the stigma these women face for issues like conflict related sexual violence, the, yeah. the isolation that they experience from their communities when they return, the impact of being able to, I guess with art, you can, communi you can communicate that which is unspeakable. You build a bridge almost between the heart and the mind can 
because trauma is so much of it is lodged in the emotional memory not the cognitive memory or in, or in your body memory as well so that shared experience together and the chance to communicate something of that through their artwork was really powerful i think as well and an absolute privilege to be alongside the women in that process too wow i've i've long been an advocate for the relationship between beauty and justice. Mm. And I'm really interested in how art can be an agent of healing, both for the artist as well as the viewer. Tell me how that plays into your process a bit. I think, well, seeing the beauty of each and every individual is at the heart of my portrait practice. I think every every individual I paint, I just, I particularly the women that I've worked with, I am just amazed at the resilience of the human spirit, of what people can endure and overcome, and their kindness, their grace, their goodness, even in the midst of such atrocity, is just a miracle of grace. It can only be a miracle, described as a miracle of grace. So to capture something of that in these paintings, and that's why I use early Renaissance painting methods and gold leaf. Um, these methods are very sacred as well. They're very much embedded in the sacred history of European art and traditional art canon. So the, the symbolism also also resonates with us as a Western viewer when we see see these images that kind of almost have a, a kind of a reminder of iconography or of Renaissance paintings of the Virgin Mary and of her grief for her loved ones, her her beloved son who was lost. Um, so these we can imagine that we can see these and understand the plight of these women through the lens of grief as well through the grief for the Yazidi women for their children still in ISIS captivity for the Nigerian women as well for the the ongoing stigma that they face within their communities and also the ongoing conflict in the north and instability so we can understand their situation through their experience almost through this lens i think it through through beauty it can open our hearts to 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 experience something of god's compassion for these women that is my hope so there's a real sense of dignity that is restored to them to the people that you paint uh, and i love that just a, a rediscovery of their own personhood their own voice and i love that through your art and through your portraits you really are bringing restoration. One question I have for you is, what has been the response of Western viewers when people have seen these portraits? How has it moved them or how have these paintings impacted the, the Western viewer? Well, it's been a while since ex I've had many exhibitions in, in because of all the lockdowns. <laughs> the, the, the times, yeah. But they're due to be shown in Parliament soon and also at the International Peace Institute in New York in September as well. So the but the with the times they have been shown before in these places and these policy environments. Um it I've been really moved by the response of MPs and others who also have the power to make a difference in the lives of these communities and how they would stop and read all the stories alongside, shown alongside the women's portraits and self-portraits um, and, and contemplate the images. I think art is because it's formed from contemplation, a dynamic of contemplation. It creates space to contemplate, um, particularly these crimes against Yazidi and the Nigerian women that are 
incomprehensible. I think the beauty of the artwork, particularly portrayed through the lens of Renaissance art and gilding and all these all these um, traditional methods, it gives us a lens into into understanding that. But also, I guess the we it makes means we don't turn away. It's so easy to turn away, to feel overwhelmed, or to shut down. I think we get inured to all the news, the horrors that we hear in the news. So the beauty of a painting, of an individual, of a human story, I think you can't turn away from that. Um, and I've been moved by how many people have been moved to tears even. Like, um, and yeah, the response has been different to, from what I really ever anticipated. Well, I know that the arts for you really become a means by speaking out against injustice and speaking out against these things. Tell me more about why that's important to you and what your experience has been with the arts as a means of speaking out against these injustices. I think the I think the arts have particularly a power in these in these contexts to to be a non-confrontational way to shine a light on our shared humanity. I think particularly at a time when I'm so aware here in the UK, I'm not sure, can't speak for the US, but we've got increasing hostility towards those who are arriving from from overseas, from, I guess it's understandable having emerged from COVID and this isolation, this mentality and fear. Um, but the Nationality and Borders Bill going through Parliament and release recent um, policy declaration to send refugees arriving by so-called non-legal routes to Rwanda, the the attitude, the inner hospitality towards refugees and those fleeing conflict is um, deeply troubling in our society. So at this time, if a painting with an exhibition can be a small way to remind us of our shared humanity and also a remind us that we're all the sacred value of each and every life um, in the eyes of God. We're all of equal value in his eyes, regardless of race or religion or gender or social background. This is the heart of the message that I want to convey through my paintings, but in a gentle way that it isn't confrontational, because I think politics can be so such a kind of um, confrontational and aggressive ground, but, but what space can art be that will that that, op- that opens itself to that depth of compassion for those who have suffered um, unimaginably, but also to enable us to enter into that, to yet yeah, to not turn our not to turn away, and to for our hearts to be softened and to open our hearts as well as yeah as well as our and then subsequently our policies and our attitudes towards those are coming and fleeing conflict. So what? How can art train that subtly, but in a, in a gentle way? I guess what Gandhi says: in a gentle way, you can shake the world. Totally. Um, I I was just thinking about Gandhi. Really? Right, right before you said that. That's and amazing. I, yes, and I was also going to encourage you that I think mm-hmm. your gentleness is explosive. That's my paraphrase of what Gandhi mm-hmm. said. But I I think that your work embodies that that mm-hmm. same power of empathy, maybe subversion, but also just the power of gentleness to to speak to to powers that be. So encouraging. Thank you, Stephen. I think gentleness can actually be, it it's, it's actually takes more courage to keep your heart soft and gentle in the harshness of this world. And actually, it's something that can be so transformative and disarming 
when you come into these contexts are often quite hostile with a disarming gentleness. It really throws people off guard. It's, yeah, very mm. interesting. But as I guess as an artist, you go into these spaces that are politicized in a very different like, light, um, which, or, or working in, like, with organizations, humanitarian organizations like the UN or UNHCR and others, you're coming in in a different way, in a different capacity, um, mm. which is, yeah, really interesting and a really interesting dynamic. Yes. I think what you just said is one of the most important things that we've discussed on the podcast recently, and that is gentleness as well as not having a hardened heart. I think that is one of the challenges of our day for so many people um, is keeping your heart open and soft and keeping a posture of listening um, rather than uh, a posture of anger, you know, and, and I said it in, um, I wrote about this in the book, Naming the Animals, that I wrote. And I talked about, you know, how the heart in scripture is compared to soil and how hard soil can't easily produce crops and, and neither do hard hearts, you know. But through gentleness, I think so much creativity is born of gentleness and openness. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And also the relationships are built with different communities that when you come with such an open heart, it's like I've, my life has been so enriched above and beyond anything I've given by these women that I've met and their kindness to me as well. Particularly mm. that that's even been part of my healing journey um, in overcoming trauma myself was experiencing mm. the kindness of these women um, as well that I've worked with that enabled me to, I guess, it's, guess it's, um, it's, it's one thing being it, maintaining a heart posture of kindness to others, but often it can be harder to maintain it towards yourself. And that is, <laughs> that is very true as well. <laughs> yes. It's well, essential. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I'm still learning that one. Absolutely. I think I'm I, a lifelong <laughs> lesson. <laughs> yes. I think I'm nicer to myself now than I used to be, uh, but I'm still learning that one. I'm still learning to have absolutely. compassion for myself. And I've learned well. how counterproductive it is as well. <laughs> Because yeah. <laughs> when you develop a harsh yes. inner voice, then you then you can't help but that spills out elsewhere as well. So it's just the downward spiral. <laughs> yes, it's so true. Cultivating a, a gentle inner voice definitely it's not, but it's not an easy one. <laughs> no, no, it's not. But you know, it's it's so funny though. Some of the things that I would say to other people, I think about. It, I'm like, could I say that to myself? Would I encourage them the same way? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or can I receive that when I hear that? Other people exactly. say that to me as well. Um, yes. Yeah, it's so interesting. Well, I know that for you, the arts play a significant role in trauma healing. And you talked about even teaching some of the women that you've worked with how to paint and how to engage the creative process. Tell me about the role the arts play in trauma healing in the work that you do. I guess it all began really as... Painting was my own journey through trauma. Um, it was my, I guess, learning to, I, as a teenager, it was, I, I guess, my first experience. I, did, I experienced depression as a teenager, as a young teenager. And um, the arts enabled me to open my eyes to the beauty of the world again um, and also to develop 
that gentleness, that inner gentleness, um, and also to yeah to be have I let to live with eyes wide open to the beauty of the world. Um, so it was my love of painting began with landscape, but seeing the beauty of God in creation, and then that naturally flowed into seeing the beauty of God in people as well. Um, but it's yeah that's very much been at the heart of my own journey through trauma has been the importance of the arts but also the importance of the natural world and people too and I think yeah the relational side of the art projects with the women as well um the opportunity to encourage to to show love to show kindness particularly in these contexts where they've experienced such stigma um from conflict with sexual violence and displacement as well loss of identity loss of sense of self um, the arts, the arts can, I guess, create that safe space for uh, almost like a container um, for the sharing of story, but through through arts, through and through words, if they want to as well, if they feel comfortable and safe enough. So it's that sense of safety that you're creating in this space that is very much about, yeah, the idea of the ethics of care, the feminist ethics of care, and aesthetics of care that Thompson writes about is very much at the heart of. The work and the way I approach this work is that yeah the arts create that space that is yeah John Paul Lederach writes about that too about the idea of the container and the holding space um, that creates the environment for healing to happen. I'm becoming so much more aware about how our everyday language is so inadequate to convey the extent of some of the things that we go through. Um, you know, I, I know particularly for the women that you've worked with, but, you know, let's be honest in our own ways, not to compare our stories with, with that by any stretch, but so many of us have gone through our own measure of trauma over the past two years. And I don't think that we really understand the full extent of how lockdown and the pandemic and everything we've all collectively gone through. I don't think we we really have seen yet the full emotional and mental impact of those things. And um, that's one reason I've wanted to lean into that as a topic for this season on the podcast is how the arts can speak to that place, how the arts can respond uh, to the place of trauma that we've all collectively been through over the past years. I completely agree. I think, yeah, the collective trauma is something we we can we can only i guess see the tip of the iceberg of the impact but particularly on issues like mental health i know that's gone through the roof in my country here i don't know in the us but same here yeah it's it's i think but i i guess the arts can teach us because I, I think trauma is very much embodied experience so the arts are a sensor sensorial process and help you to be more present to the moment as well like less you you can just be engaged with what you're creating and what you're focused on and the tactility of paint for me but music as well as also an embodied experience and dance and all these things are are ways in which we get back in touch with our body and where we felt isolated and disconnected and um bewildered and distressed um it can yeah can be integrating somehow it's i think it's a mystery it's not something i fully understand by any means i'm just trying to grasp for words here but um 
No, I understand. And I, you know, I know for us here in America, you know, this has been a very divided time for us. Mm -hmm. And it's, it, I would rather than divided, I would say it's been a very fractured time, you know, but the arts and creativity have always been an intersection point for me. And so I think it makes sense that in the midst of a fractured culture, the voice of the artist is is coming to bring healing and to build bridges as you you used that phrase earlier i'm curious if you see some of that in your own experience with the arts being able to unify or bring together um, where some of the other things have kind of torn apart absolutely i do think so and i think it brings builds it brings a common language as well even across cultures mm-hmm. and yes. diverse experience and everything even even and particularly, I think when when the arts enable us to share our own stories of vulnerability as well, I think, and our own yeah our own journeys. So I think the arts communicate that really powerfully, and create that space naturally for that vulnerability to be communicated, and um, when it isn't always safe in in the natural in the in our normal day to day lives, so there isn't time or space or capacity for that. And I think vulnerability is one of the things that is the most disarming and also unifying because although our experiences, my my own experience of trauma, for example, is by no means comparable with that of the Yazidi women, the Nigerian women or others I've worked with, but but it, it is, I did experience some bad experience of trauma while I was in the Middle East. And when I, I, when I shared something of that with the women, only a little bit segment of the story that, um, it create, I guess, created not a level playing field, but made us all realize we're all on this journey together. Um, it's not like, yeah, we, even though we're not comparing comparing them by any means, um, we are. God, but I was able to share how, yeah, God has brought such beauty even out of my experience of pain. And if it wasn't for my journey through that, then I wouldn't be an artist. I wouldn't have needed to engage with creativity in the way that I did for my own healing to find my way back to myself almost to find my own voice again where it felt like it'd been lost and and if I hadn't learned that then I wouldn't have discovered its power and then wanted to bring it to these other women so God can bring beauty even out of our most darkest and difficult experiences and that is like the ultimate work of an artist I think God is the ultimate artist with our lives so he can bring beauty from that. And I think of the painting methods I use as well, where I, natural painting methods, where it's pul- where I pulverize kind of m- mineral pigments or earth pigments and mix them with egg, egg yolk as a binder and build up layers of egg tempera paint. Even that is like you're working with pulverized materials from the earth and turning that into something beautiful, almost alchemical process and working with gold leaf as well. And um, so all these things like you're transforming, I guess, something um, into something of beauty as God does with our lives. I love that, that the materials themselves begin to speak, mm, you know, absolutely. that the process of the materials themselves, before you've ever put a brush onto canvas, uh, there's almost a prophetic nature to the the voice of the materials. And I love that you talked about using the gold leaf and, and these different things. And, and that's symbolic of uh, the sacred value of these women in spite of all they have suffered. And the icon mm-hmm. painting methods as well. You start with the dark layer um, and then you build into the highlights. So you kind of start with an underpainting and you build into the highlights, the tonal, tonal highlights, and then you, then you add colored glazes on top of that. 
but it's meant to symbolize a journey of the soul from darkness to light as well. So there's symbolism embedded in all starts stage of the process, which is beautiful. And for me, I find these sacred methods are a form of prayer as well for me. When I return from these places with the stories of that women on my heart, it's a way in which I guess I pour out my heart almost as a prayer of lament, like the Psalms, like a visual Psalm, um, pour, where I pour out my heart for these women who I've met and their stories, but also the incredible honor to have worked alongside them and wanting to do them justice, their stories justice through these works. But Praying to, praying to God for them as well through these paintings um, and praying that I would see them as God sees them too. So these are like, yeah, the prayer is very much embedded both within the icon painting process I use, but also, yeah, with the engaging with the women's stories, it's yeah, at the heart of it, which is why these sacred methods are so appropriate. Because I, th- I do believe that if we're all made in the image of God, then painting someone's portrait is something sacred. I don't even have words. You left me speechless because I was just feeling the embodiment of what you were saying and the sacredness of your process. And I think for me, that's where it all culminates is where the creative process and the spiritual foundation come together into one expression that that speaks beyond anything we could have even intended. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, this, this, it goes beyond words. And you almost, yeah, when you engage in that process, it's prayerful. And you're, mm-hmm. you're engaging with, and you're wanting God to communicate something through your work. You're, you're a conduit, really, for his presence as well in this, in this, in this work and for wanting also how he sees with the women and also all people through the, through the work um, to come through, I guess, to... I know I know there are some people who saw the paintings of Yazidi women, for example. I remember one woman coming up to me and she said, I'm a survivor of sexual assault as well. And she said, well, you're seeing your paintings and how you portrayed the women, you know, as God has shown me of my own sacred value and worth through this work. So you never know what messages people can carry or take away or can be communicated through a painting. It's like, yeah, um, with iconography, it's meant to be like, wordlessly communicating that which is inter- eternal um, and so I, yeah, I, I believe that paintings that are all the arts can communicate in ways beyond we can even begin to imagine as as the artist um, I guess engaging with God in the process it's just a privilege yes do you find that your creative process gives you a greater understanding or a greater glimpse into God's own heart toward the people that you paint? I I very much do. I mean, it's the overflow of that. The paintings are the overflow of feeling something of the depth of his compassion, but wanting to feel that more to see and to keep to see that beauty in all people as well. And no matter how dark the environment or the situation they have come from or survive to actually, I guess, like to search for that beauty, almost like, I guess, like a diamond and kind of mine for it. Each, in, and to remember that in, in our encounters with everyone, it's easy to forget it in our day-to-day lives with family or others, but to try to constantly in everyone I meet to see, look for that beauty, look for to see them as God sees them, to, I guess, yeah, live that way of the way in which I paint. 
definitely a challenge. Like, I don't always succeed by any means. <laughs> yes, yes. Wow. Well, I know that for me, even what you said about the the process of iconography and starting with the dark and working toward the light and the sacredness of the materials, that gives me hope and encouragement in my own experience. And I think for some on some level, a collective experience that we're all having of moving from a very dark place to a place of light, to a place of rebirth, to a place of renewed hope, a place of resilience. And so I take that away from my own life, even from what you're saying, is that um, you know we really are in a time of moving from dark to light in some ways. And I know that's true for me personally. And, um, and I hear the process of your artwork speaking that loud hopefully to everyone that hears this podcast you know and also to maintain a heart of gentleness to ourselves in the process of that transformation it's not an easy transformation <laughs> no no, no, <laughs> no painting is born without sweat blood and sometimes tears <laughs> most of the time tears let's yeah, be honest exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes Man, I love what you're saying. You're talking about the power of vulnerability, art as prayer, the power of gentleness and being gentle with ourselves and just almost the prophetic nature of how the materials and the process itself speaks. These are all beautiful things to take away into our own contemplation. So thank you so much for joining me on Makers and Mystics today. This has been an absolutely wonderful conversation. Oh, it's been a joy. Thank you, Stephen. 